trauma and contraction. Yesterday, somebody left a comment under one of the videos, which was a, a question about their own experience. And I'll summarize. Essentially, they said that they uh, enjoy a certain clarity during meditation, peace, consciousness, uh, perhaps even non-dualistic experiences. I can't remember what terms they used, but it was clear that during meditation, when alone, sitting, there's clarity. There's um, perhaps dissolving of the ego boundaries and so forth. But when they're talking with somebody or when they're around people or in public situations or social situations, um, they feel very much contracted, contracted into an inner world. It feels very much like there's a subject, a contracted subject in a small inner world. And then there's a world out there of objects, of people, of um, situations and so forth. Now I'm kind of generalizing uh, these terms based on the question because a lot of people go through this. A lot of people notice this. So first I just want to say that it's not uncommon uh, at all that uh, at some point in practice, some point in this unbinding process, we find that we do enjoy equanimity, peace, uh, perhaps unbound consciousness, perhaps non-dualistic experiences while we're sitting, while we're on the mat, meditating. But when we're around people specifically, we notice that there's an automatic response of contraction. It's not something we're doing on purpose. It's not something we're thinking our way into. It just is automatic. It happens very quickly and we notice it and it feels uncomfortable. Even if there's nothing particularly uh, untoward going on, it's just our response to those situations. So first of all, it's important to recognize this is just totally normal. This happens. This is how it goes. Now, um, if you have a history of trauma uh, and the more trauma you have, the more likely this will be. And in this uh, particular instance, the person commenting mentioned that um, you will have a much stronger tendency to do this. You could say that your your sort of inner world um, or your inner life is a direct response to trauma. Now, we all do form inner worlds as we uh, grow up and so forth, but they're often a lot softer and um, situational and they, the ego boundaries can come down much more easily than if there's a lot of trauma. When there's a lot of trauma or even pervasive emotional repression or neglect, then the um, boundaries uh, constructing that inner world become quite rigid, especially in certain situations. It feels quite fixed, not like something you can just, you know, relax and it dissolves or something like that, right? Um, it's, it's quite a uh, conditioned, habituated response. So it can be um, helpful to recognize that this is a normal response to trauma. It's a normal response to having uh, been through in the formation of your identity, very difficult emotional situations and physical situations. So that is a normal experience, a normal response. Okay, so then the question is, well, what do you do about it? Um, well, one thing that's not helpful that another commenter actually said to this commenter, and it was something like, uh, that's just what's happening, right? Sure, you can say that to yourself. This is just what's happening. I'm just feeling this reaction. But something in you knows, something deep in you knows that it's not a necessary reaction. 
that it's not fundamentally um, necessary, that it has to be there. You sense that there's a way to live life without that reaction, right? So this is where um, inquiry can be helpful. This is where shadow work can be helpful, for instance. Um, and shadow work's a, a kind of general term, you know, but it, it generally is uh, revolving around emotion work, inquiry into our responses, to our reactions, what formed our sense of self, what formed our reactivity, all of that. Um, in this case, I would say it's kind of twofold, the approach I would recommend at least uh, for now. And one would be to do that shadow work, to do the, the inquiry into what is it that I've concluded about being around other people? And this is often rooted in childhood. So you may have to go back to your childhood experiences and really look at, well, what were my conclusions then? And they were probably brilliant conclusions for that child. They were probably totally adaptive and they made sense for that child and they probably worked, right? One being going into an inner world. It's a, um, an escape, um, a place where you feel like you have control, right? when the external circumstances are uh, proving to you that you don't have control, right? That those around you who are unconscious are in control. So it makes sense from that standpoint, but really going back and looking, okay, well, what are the triggers? What do I see in people? What do I see in situations? Uh, or what did I see in people or situations that would really trigger that? That would really make me say, okay, now it's time to go inward. It's time to um, disassociate essentially. And you might start to look at triggers. You might start to find that, well, maybe it doesn't happen in all social situations, but just certain ones. Or maybe I'm generalizing a certain kind of situation to all situations, right? And that's what this is. It's we're gen generalizing uh, a trauma that happened in childhood or multiple traumas or, you know, maybe your entire childhood emotional environment, but we're generalizing it now to our uh, adult environment to all situations we're in, which clearly it's not uh, relevant. Um, it may be relevant at times, perhaps, but it's not relevant all the time. So we can find out where we've made those assumptions, those beliefs about well, what people are, who they are, how they can affect me, what they can do, right? Um, and just seeing these beliefs is really helpful. It doesn't sound like it's going to like reverse this entire tendency, and it probably won't right away, but it will help just seeing, well, what are my actual beliefs, right? Because the underlying beliefs are often uh, glossed over very quickly when we feel contracted, when we feel nervous. Um, our attention goes into often solutions, right? How do I get out of this? How do I get out of here? Or maybe even self-doubt, like, why do I do this? Or, you know, but where our attention doesn't go is into, hmm, what are the assumptions I'm making right now? What are the assumptions I made when I was a child that I've generalized into interacting with people, right? What do I believe about people? What do I believe about interacting with other humans, other adults? Um, in what ways is it uncomfortable? And is it okay that it's uncomfortable as an adult? Whereas when I was a child, that discomfort was extreme, perhaps dangerous. But now, yeah, it can be a little uncomfortable to be around adults, but do I need to contract, right? Is there a need to go completely inward and disassociate, et cetera? So this kind of really breaking things down and making a study of it can be helpful um, for sure. The other thing really is learning social skills. Like um, I'm sure you have social skills, but learning 
very specific types of social skills, how to interact in ways with people that are um, more proactive than reactive, uh, how, taking gen like genuine interest in other people and how to, how to hold conversations. Um, things like that can actually be really helpful because you feel empowered now. You don't feel like a victim of the situation. You feel like someone who's empowered in the situation. You feel like you know what to do and you can even start to enjoy interacting with people. And that can help just soften that, that intense internal emotional response. And the emotional response is what leads to the disassociation or contraction or internal world experience, right? So those are sort of practical things to look at. And then the, the last thing I wanna say is um, that as all of this softens, as you really start to disentangle the beliefs, the reactions, and, and are able to actually put your attention in the sensations in the body, which is critical with all of this, to be able to actually feel the sensations in all these circumstances, uh, then you can actually start doing work directly in the sense field, the specifically the visual field, right? Which is leaning in, in one sense, giving it more of your attention in those moments, really letting that visual experience overtake you. But don't just practice that when you're in um, triggering situations or you already feel contracted because it'll be very, very difficult. Practice it throughout the day. Practice it when you're sitting even as a portion of meditation. Start to take in that visual experience and feel back toward what feels like a subject. Is there anything there? Is there a boundary there? Is the um, field of visual experience actually divided at all? Can you just remain in that? And the more you do that, um, the less likely your, your mind, your brain is to make that really strong demarcation between subject and object. So I would say a um, combination of all three of these, but the first two in particular, uh, if they're not addressed, then the third one won't work. It'll just be too hard. It'll be, it's too subtle. It happens too fast, really, is what it is. The bounce back into mind just happens too darn quick. So, um, you know, work with the first two and then start to uh, practice with that third and balance those out, you know, work, work with all of those aspects. And you may start to notice that you feel a certain kind of relaxed expansion all the time that isn't just consciousness. It's not just, you know, eyes closed, no thoughts, but it's in the field of the visual experience, in the field of the sensory experience in the body, in the field of the uh, experience of sound. So I would take those approaches and see how that goes for you.